it's, how do you how do you come how do you follow that? I mean, even if it were just the music and not even the image, just. Morning, great to see you guys. <laughs> Doesn't have quite the impact. I need one of those movie voices. <laughs> this morning. That's all I got. How's everybody doing today? Yeah? Alive and well, I hope. I got to tell you, it was hard for me this morning uh, being, being not on the worship team. I, I didn't realize how much stress that was. I mean, preaching, nothing, whatever. Having twins, I can deal with it. Not being part of the worship, oh, oh, right? And then I'm, I'm down here. I was just loving worship. Was it good this morning? Man, come on. I realized on that side of the speakers, it's a little louder. So I'm just yelling and screaming, yeah, no, you're a slave. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm not going to have a voice. The time we do this, to which some of you say Amen. This morning, I'd like to take a look at the story of Nehemiah in the light of our series, The Comeback. Have you guys enjoyed the series? Yeah? I'll tell you one thing about a comeback. Everybody loves a good comeback, right? Right? You love a good comeback story. Rocky. Mm, right? I just, I was, my mind all of a sudden went through all, like, 12 of the Rocky movies. Like, there's a lot, isn't there? Man, all, all the great stories have a great comeback, but there's that... The, the, the suspense of that or, or the, the uh, of that is there's got to be the down in order to have the up, right? And a lot of times we want to live, we, we, we live vicariously through movies, you know? And we, we live vicariously through, but how many of you are book readers? Man, my wife is a book reader. She reads all the books and then they become movies. I go watch the movies because I'm a movie person. And then she tells me how bad it was compared to the book. So all you book people just stop. You're not making the world better. <laughs> no, I do. Why? Because, because I, get to, I get to feel that down, but then I get to feel that comeback with whoever that character is. And we love a great comeback story. As I was preparing my message this week, I was looking at different comeback stories on the internet. I mean, you go to YouTube, you type that in, you can come up with, I'm like weeping. Ah! Autistic kid hitting three-pointers. Ah! Ridiculous. I can't show that stuff. I have to talk. It's bad enough to have to follow that music. But anyway, I started reading through Nehemiah. And uh, this, this, this message was tough for me because I, I found myself jumping all over the place trying to land on, on, on where, where the Lord was trying to speak through me through. And man, it was a tough one. But I came to Nehemiah. And here's a quick history on Nehemiah. Do you guys know who Nehemiah is? Some of you. You're allowed to talk back. I just want to put that out there. I'm the youth pastor, and I'm used to, I'm used to yes, kids not shutting up. So I can talk over you. Just be part, be part of it with me. It'll be a fun journey. The story of Nehemiah. Many Jews are returning to Jerusalem from Babylon and captivity and had begun restoring their, their home, their city, and, and, and rebuilding it. Nehemiah, he's far away. He's serving as a cupbearer to the Persian king of the day. And he feels this incredible burden to return to Jerusalem and to begin rebuilding the wall. He saw everything else happening, but the wall was crumbled. The wall was left in just, just rubble and, and become just completely 
derelict. And, and, and he, he just felt this, this burden, this passion growing. But he had a job with, with, the, with the Persian king. And so he goes to the king and, and he presents his, 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 his whole petition, what he wants to do, how he wants to do it and everything. And, and man, God just shone light on that king and shown grace. That king just supported him with, 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 with letters to the border crossing people, with all kinds of materials, everything he would need to complete that task, that king set him up to do. And so here he goes. He marches in to, to Jerusalem. He gathers people, and they begin to build. I mean, the building is going incredible. If you begin to read the story, you see how fast. I mean, we're talking about a huge, vast, wide, deep wall. And in no time, half that wall was built. And out of nowhere, the enemies start catching wind. All oh, this is happening. This is going down. And they begin to share all different kinds of ways they're going to beat them down or they're going to discourage them. And, and, and all of a sudden, everybody starts coming. And, and several enemies decide they're going to put a stop to the effort. And this sends all the workers into this huge downward spiral. And that's where we pick up the story of Nehemiah today. And anytime I'm reading scripture, anytime I'm listening to a message, anytime I'm preparing a message, I, I have to ask the question, how does this relate to me? Do you guys get there sometimes? How does this relate to me? How does this story, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not this guy. I've never lived this life. I've never been a cupbearer, even though my kids think I am. More? Get yourself. I'm not a cupbearer. I don't, I don't understand that, you know. I present my petitions to Ross. He laughs at me. Whatever, I don't care. Just don't blow something up, right? <laughs> I try not to. You know, how do I get something from me out of that? And a lot of times we, we look at the Bible, and those of you who are, who, who's in my youth group, raise your hands. Don't be shy. There you are couple of you, yes. You've heard me say it a million times. We, 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 we have this thing where we, we have Bible story and then we have real life. We, we have the things that we were taught as a child or the things that we're learning now, but the things that, we're pre that we preach about and the things that are in the Bible, but then we have real life. And there, we, we put this divide between the two. And man, a lot of things that God wants to tell you are not going to click until you bust that wall down. We have to realize that that is real history. What we read in the Word is real history, and it's written down for the purpose of serving us, for the purpose of allowing us to learn and grow from other people's mistakes, from other people's failures, from other people's comebacks. It's real. And what's awesome about the Bible, and I apologize for everybody who's heard me say this so many times, but it has become just so much of who I am. The best part of the Bible isn't that it happened, but that it's happening. These stories are alive, and these stories are lived out every day through you, through me. The story of Adam and Eve, the story of Noah, the story of Nehemiah, the story of David. And unless we can learn from these, everyone knows how this says about history. If you don't learn from the past, you are doomed to repeat it. I mean, there, there's things in here I don't want to do. I don't want to repeat some of these things. So let's open, let's learn. Nehemiah, he's hit with this huge setback. One that could have just spun completely out of control. And the truth is that we all get hit with these things. 
And oftentimes we make the mistake of sitting passively by with the mantra, this too shall pass. Uh, Just waiting for the storm to pass before we even make an attempt to get up. How many of you are, I'm that kind of guy. (laughs) Oh, if I can just, I'll just hold my breath. If I can just make it to this date. You guys like that? If I can just make it past this event. If I can just get through here. If I can just get through this struggle. If I can just get, if I can just make it through this court hearing. Whatever it would be. Then I'll be able to breathe. Then I'll be able to get up. Then I'll be able to make my comeback. But that isn't how it should be. That's not how it should be, people. The Bible rightly declares that we are more than what? What? We're more than... You're so shy. It's adorable. (laughs) More than... (laughs) Is it cute? <laughs> Who do you picture when you picture a conqueror? Like Alexander the Great? Someone like that? You know? Who? Come on, Kai. The Spartans? Yes! The Spartans? Yeah. You are more than a Spartan. Ooh. Mm, bring it on. Right? Pecs. To be more than a conqueror means you don't sit passively by waiting for the storm to pass. You get up and you go. Yeah, you're going to get punched in the face, but you get up and you go. Guys, we've got to learn to get back up. And I think a big part of learning how to get back up is a deep under, deeper understanding of what puts us on the floor. So here we go. We're in Nehemiah 4. We're going to start in verse 6. This is what it says. So we rebuilt the wall. Till all of it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all of their hearts. Verse 7, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem, of the, to Jerusalem's wall had gone on ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted guards day and night to meet this threat. Verse 10, meanwhile, people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we we can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies have said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. And then the Jews who lived near came out and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. They are freaking out. With good reason. What puts us on the floor? See, on the surface, it can be rather obvious what puts us on the floor. We look at this story. What put them on the floor? Well, it was the bad guys coming and threatened to kill them, right? Yes, Corey, that was right. In our story, it's obvious so often what puts us on the floor. It could be a bad relationship. Someone say amen. A nasty boss. Amen. Physical ailment that just knocks you down. Poor finances. These are the things that put us, these are the things that they, they put us on the mat. Guys, these are the things that we mistake as knockout punches, but in reality, they're just punches that everyone gets hit with. 
Let me say that again. We mistake these things as knockout punches when they're just the punches that everyone gets hit with. Do you realize that? So then logic would say, if everyone is getting hit with these punches, how is it not everyone is on their face? Well, then it must be more than just the punch. So if you would, please allow me to quick outline four things that will put you on the floor no matter what the punch. And they are these. Number one, fatigue, frustration, failure, and fear. Fatigue, frustration, failure, and fear. In verse 10, they came and they said, that the strength of the laborers is giving out. They had grown weary of the work. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Man, you just push and push and push. Man, when we were opening up this building, moving over here, man, getting all this stuff done and the ridiculously amount of time that, that we that window that we were allowed to do things in. Man, working a couple weeks of a hundred and some hours right in a row, day and night, through the night. And then you try to sleep. You know how it is. You're worried. You're working through things. You're working yourself to the bone. You try to sleep, and what do you do? You worry, and you work more. Oh, I've had those nights where I go to bed, and my dreams, I, my dreams are that I'm awake, and I'm planning out my work for the next day. What kind of fresh hell is that? Come on. I need rest. But life is relentless. And there are periods in our life where no matter how hard we push, no matter how hard we work, there's always the next thing on the horizon. And we grow tired. I got to tell you something. We do not make smart decisions when we are tired. We do not take blows well when we are tired. If you watch a boxing match or you're into MMA or whatever it may be, you see the hits that they are taking in round one. And man, they take them like champs. You see those same hits in round seven? That same blow has a completely different effect. Why? Because they are tired. How many of you know you do not make decisions when you are tired? It's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry, stupid. <laughs> I got to tell you, I had a problem when I was younger. My problem was infomercials. I would stay up late at night by myself. Mm-hmm. We, we laugh. <laughs> I fear I'm not the only one. <laughs> You know, there are times in our life when the wisest thing, the most spiritually sound thing you could do is go to bed. When you are tired, you have to be aware of who you are and where you are and realize that the problems of life are amplified. Fatigue, frustration. Going on in verse 10, they scream out and there is so much rubble. There's so much rubble. You guys know those people in your life. They are just rubble. (laughs) 
And the more you're around them, the more that rubble builds and that frustration that builds. And, and, and it, just, it, just, it just compounds, doesn't it? And then the smaller things, you go home after a tough day at work and you're frustrated at work. You go home and you're, you're with your kids or you're with your loved ones. And the small things that really shouldn't bother you just send you through the ceiling like that. And man, that frustration continues to build. And then that conversation that you've been thinking about all day long comes down the road. And you're just like, I'm going to rip your head off. <laughs> and that frustration, man, and, and it's in so many different places of our life. And I wish I could just have work frustration at work and it would end there. And then I could just take my home frustration at home and it would end there. My vehicle frustration. <laughs> and it would not end there. But they bleed one into the other, and then some small thing, that round one, would not have mattered. It is not a knockout punch, but it puts you on the floor. Because you're weak. And frustration has amplified the smallest of problems. The next thing is failure. Nehemiah 10. Scream out, we cannot rebuild this wall. Some of us are plagued by failure. Plagued. Maybe even not your failure, but the impression you have that people think you fail. Pastor Ross, you've talked about it. Not being able to add up in different times of your life and, and striving to reach this mark, but never feeling like it's good enough or that it's high enough or that it's ever going to match. That fear of failure, that, 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 that desire to add up, the desire to succeed, but never quite getting there. And man, we live in a society that is rigged against you. You will never have enough. You will never make enough. Man, if, if, if I could go back to 21-year-old me and say, hey, you're going to be making this much, my head would have spun. Right? 21 years old, I, I was... I was a brand new pastor, youth pastor, making a big old $18,000 a year. But I was living and life was good. I had things. I had a pretty wife. I had a home. I had cars. I had tools. If you had told me what I'd be making today, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be a king. All of this extra money just pouring out of everywhere. You know, you know, just extra money pouring straight into debt and stupid decisions and ah, car frustration. The system is rigged against you in that failure. That failure will amplify these smallest problems. Finally, fear, Nehemiah 4.11. Also, our enemies said, before they know it, or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. And then the Jews who lived near came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Nehemiah 4 suggests the people most affected by fear are those who hang around negative people. I don't know why, but the most insecure of us can't seem to walk away from Facebook. 
the most insecure of us, those who are, who are riddled with all kinds of fear. For some reason, we, we, we can't help but get the approval of other people. We can't help but put ourselves out there just to be hurt. We can't help but, but, but allow the, the, the world to feed all these negative things in our life. You don't understand, I have too much drama, I don't know, but then why are you watching these stupid shows on TV where all it is is drama? Get that junk out of your life, right? It makes sense. It makes sense. That fear, it'll plague you. People who, who, who live in that type of a cycle, the smallest little thing that is a first round butterfly punch, amplified by fear, insecurity, will put you on your face. I can't handle this. It's too much responsibility. I don't deserve it. Fear of criticism, whatever it may be. Guys, every single blow that is dealt to us in life is manageable. But we allow these inner issues to compound their effect, resulting in our lives crashing down around us. And we wind up living in this state. How can I overcome? How can I experience a comeback in the face of constant smackdown? Constant setback. How can I possibly get up? That's a great question. We've hit the floor. So the next question logically I think is this, is what keeps us there? What keeps us on the floor? Going back to Nehemiah. Not yet. Wrong page. What keeps us on the floor? See, basically it's this. And this is what I really want to speak to this morning. When you boil it down, what keeps us on the floor is bad habits. You see, nine out of ten times, we know how to go about fixing our situation. And we all know the Sunday school answers, right? Uh, stop doing the bad things that get us in this position. Stop uh, feeding the bad thoughts that get us into this place. Give our troubles to God. Rest in the peace that he has a plan. All things work together for the good, right? Bop, bop, bop. But the same is true about so many things in our life. Let's talk about physical health. How many of you wish you were healthier? Wish you had lost another 10 pounds? How many of you wish you could? You, you, there's all these things. Yeah, I wish I was there. I go, Ooh, yeah, I know for the heights from which I have fallen. And I know every single one of us, we could all sit down right now with a pen and paper and map out exactly what I need to stop eating this, this, and this. I need to start eating this, this, and this. I probably need to put down the sugar and put down the soda. I need to get up and get my butt in the gym. It only costs like 12 bucks a month. It's pretty, I can do that. You know, if, if I'm stopped buying all this junk food, I can afford the gym. So just get in there just, you know, three times a week, go on and into it. Come on. We all know the answer, don't we? Don't we? What keeps us from putting the answer into action? Bad habit. The bad habits. The bad habits of I don't really prepare my meal, so now I'm sitting here with nothing. I'm really hungry now. I'm about to binge. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go find something fast to get, and that's going to wreck me on the inside. The bad habit of I really I just got home from work and it's hard. I don't want to get up extra early to go to the gym. I'll do it after work. But now after work, I'm, I'm tired and my shows are on. Right? I want to go right now. The couch is looking so much better than the bench press. Tell me about it. <laughs> the bad habits are not allowing us to do what we know how to do to get out of it. Let's talk about finances. 
So many of us, me included, we find ourselves in a pit of horrible financial trouble. What do we do? Well, we could go to Dave Ramsey, and we can go through the process, and we can, we can learn how to take care of our finances. We can begin saving. Well, well, let's just start the easy way. We can stop spending, right? Cut up the credit cards. Start paying those back a little bit at a time but until it builds up. Do the whole waterfall effect. We, we know these things and how we put this much aside so that if there's a problem, we don't have to go to a credit card. It'll build up and do a nest egg, and then if the car breaks down, stupid frustration. I've got my nest egg. I don't have to put myself in debt and pay 10% on it. You know, it's just, there's, we all know these things. We can map it out. But are those, what, is that what we do? No. Why? Bad habit. The bad habits. Oh, it's the end of the month. And I got a couple extra bucks. Let my trip myself. I deserve a new pair of kicks. Yes, I do. What, pay something off? Ooh. You know, if I pay a lump sum now, it's like $200 to pay that off. I could just keep paying like 20 a, a, a month. And then, yes, I wind up paying like $12 billion, but. <laughs> the bad habits keep us on the floor. You, are you starting to get the picture? Students, poor grades. We know how to get ourselves out of the hole of poor grades, don't we? Pay attention in class, right? Do your homework. It's one I never really figured out, right? We know when the test is coming. Study for the test that's coming. We know there are things we can do. Put down the Xbox. Pick up a book. These are things. We all know these things. It doesn't take rocket science to make a plan. We can all make a plan. What keeps us from doing that? The bad habits. See, we think that we think that the devil is just standing over us like that boxer, just beating the junk out of us, putting his foot in our face and holding us to the floor, when really it's not like that at all. So much accumulates on the inside through these fears and frustration and all these other things that, 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 that all the enemy has to do. And the enemy really doesn't have to do anything. We do it to ourselves. It's just, we fall over and we, we think he's holding us down, but no, we're holding ourselves down because bad habits, horrible spiritual habits. Guys, it's not for lack of understanding the process of getting back to where we want to be that keeps us under the thumb of depression, of discouragement, and of pain. But in the fact of the perpetuation of bad habits that build these walls between us and success. We lay landmines, we lay booby traps, and we sabotage ourselves. The path to the comeback seems impossible. Guys, I'm going to outline exactly what we need to do to experience a comeback, even though the punches are still coming. But these are all steps that we all already know and acknowledge. I am not going to give you new information this morning. Why? Because the Bible was already written. <laughs> it's, it's been there the whole time. These are things we learn in Sunday school, and I call them Sunday school answers because they are the simplest of answers. Those of you in my youth group, you know when I ask a question and the answer comes back, Jesus. <laughs> well, that's not wrong, but it's a Sunday school answer. Give me something deeper. That's... <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight the bad habits 
that keep us from doing the obvious. And I hope that in these things that God opens your eyes and shines light of revelation on your heart and on your mind. And you're able to begin walking in freedom and hope as soon as you leave this building this morning. You guys ready? Let's go back to Nehemiah, verse 13. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up, and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah. And the first thing that we all know we need to do, the first thing that we all know we need is reinforcement. We need the right kind of people around us. When life has overcome us and we find ourselves on the floor, we need the right people around us. Verse 13 said, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest part of the wall and at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. We need family. Not just our, our family at home, but we need the family of Christ. We have got to be able to, to loosen up our, 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 our bonds a little bit. We have to loosen up our walls and our defenses and allow people in. Because when I am void of life, I need yours. When I am so, so, so deaf from my own frustration, I need your voice to bring light to me. That's why we have these relationships. It's why we have journey groups. If you're not in a journey group, you're, that's a bad habit. We need people around us, but the bad habit here is that we isolate ourselves from people who are uniquely qualified to, to stay to, and situated to help lift us up. It's the, I've seen it so often, and it's become one of the big parts of my ministry. As soon as someone comes to me and say, Pastor Corey, I'm just not in a great spiritual place. I think I need to back down from this, this, and this. Alarm bells just start ringing for me. I mean, they just start going off. Let me tell you why. Never. Not once has someone come to me under my ministry and said, Pastor Corey, I'm having a rough time with this, with this or this, or I don't really feel spiritually where I need to be. I'm going to step down for a season. I'll come back when I'm where I need to be. Never do they come back. Never do they come back. Because they have just taken away their reinforcement. They have just handicapped themselves from being able to get back up and make that comeback. Why is it we think that I will go to church when everything is great, but as soon as it's not, goodbye? How does that make sense to anybody? Seriously, if we just use simple logic, church is here to help us. Our family is here to help us. Our pastors are here to guide us. But then when life gets us down, we feel the enemy's foot on our face. Let me just, I'll just, let me just go away. You know, I don't really feel like I should be in the church walls right now. Let me just take some time by myself. And you think you're going to get better. 
When you got worse in the walls, you're going to get better outside the walls with no instruction, with no help, with no insight. I cannot tell you the emotions I had this morning during worship. Man, the Holy Spirit was just flooding me. I can't imagine a week going by where I deprive myself and my spirit of that. I was healed this morning. Pulling myself out of that does not help me. The next thing we know we need to do is this. We know we need to involve God. Yes, Sunday school. Nehemiah 4.9. But we prayed to our God and posted guards day and night to meet this threat. But of course the bad habit we do is we withdraw from our only source of supernatural strength as soon as things get bad. As soon as things get bad, we begin to blame God. We get frustrated at God. We get angry at God. Even though we know, we may not know, but we know that there is hope to be found in the arms of God. There, there is strength to be found in the arms of God. That there is peace and there, 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 there is breath. There is life. There is fresh air to be found in the very presence of God. But yet... We remove that from us and we sabotage our comeback by saying, no, I'm angry at you. I don't understand you. And obviously I am meant to understand everything. So please, God, just stay at arm's distance. And we take the ability to have, listen to me, supernatural strength. It's not something you have. We don't have that strength. We're not meant to be overcomers without him. We need that, and we can't get that on our own in the natural. We handicap ourselves. Moving on. Another action that can lift us up off the floor is to remember. Verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the, officer, the, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives and your homes. In other words, meditate on the time that God has been there for you. I'm willing to bet every single one of us can remember a time when you felt the presence of God. And maybe you didn't even know it in the moment, but you can remember a time where you look back and you say, now I see God's hand in my life. Even though I was being an idiot, I can see where he rescued me. But the bad habit here is that we voluntarily initiate spiritual amnesia. Who God? Who? God never does anything. God doesn't care about me. God, I, I never feel him. I never do this. I really, it's been so long. Yeah. As, as if we completely forget everything he's done for us. As if we completely forget the sacrifice. As if we completely forget salvation and grace even existed. When those times you find yourself on the floor and you've got nowhere to go, stop, stop, stop everything. Say, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me who you are. Lord, take me back to that place. Quicken my heart and my soul. Remind me who you are. It's amazing how quickly you will get up off the floor. When you feel the presence of God in your life. Finally, a huge step in the right direction is to change your approach. 
Nehemiah 6, I'm sorry, 14, 16 said this, from that, that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah. They changed their approach. They were doing one thing, it was working, then all of a sudden it wasn't working anymore. And they said, we have to fix this. So they continued doing the same thing. No. They did something different. Our bad habit here is the bad habit that blocks this, is as, as us being too stubborn, too proud, too close-minded to consider a different point of view. My favorite scripture is Proverbs 1.7. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Second half, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We didn't get where we are by doing everything right. There may be a potential that there's a different way to approach your situation. How are you going to get that insight when, you're, when, when life is screaming at you? By not cutting yourself off from your family. By allowing the God of hope to breathe life into you. By going to him and saying, Lord, I need a paradigm shift here. Help me see through your eyes. Let's return one more time to Nehemiah. Verse 17, it says this. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of their builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we're widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, our God will fight for us. So we continued the work, with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night. So they can serve us as guards by night as we, and, and workers by the day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor my guards took their clothes off. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. In other words, from that day on, they were ready for the fight. From that moment on, they were armed. Always armed. The final bad habit, guys, is that we seem... We seem to be there where when, when trouble is gone, we forget everything that we just learned. And we repeat the same mistakes and we reset the same landmines. We walk backwards and we redo all the booby traps and we sabotage ourselves for the next time we hit the floor. Guys, God's given us the tools, He's given us the path to live the story of a comeback, no matter how deep the problem, no matter how hard the storm, no matter how often the blows are coming we can live the life of victory but we gotta knock these bad habits off, we gotta realize that we, we already know, some of us we, I, 
Sometimes we, I, I'm not as smart as Ross. I'm not as, I, I, I don't know as much as Pastor Ross. I haven't gone through Bible college like him. I'm not a pastor. I don't live all day in the Word, which is absolutely what he does 24-7. He never is without the Bible open. I can't do that. Okay, so now you know what you're not. Do you know what you are? Come on. Do you know what you are? Baby steps. I may not know the exegetical something of this with Hebrew and Greek and something else and schwa. But I know I should talk to God. I may not be able to list the Bible, the books of the Bible from beginning to end, but I know I should worship. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to get up and prepare a message and talk to 100 people. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get into someone's life and, and advise them in certain ways. I, but I know how to go to a friend. These are things we all know. There is no reason any one of us should live life on our face in defeat. And I'm not saying your life isn't hard. No, punches are real. That is part of life. But everybody gets hit in the face. Not everybody lives on their face. Christ calls us to get up. To dust ourselves off and to become his witness to a world that lives on his face. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I pray that you would just allow this truth, God, to ring in our ears this morning. God, I know there's some tough stories in this house right now. God, we are not defined by the tough story. God, we're defined by you. God, I pray that you would begin to breathe life into us even now. As we look at our own personal situation and map out exactly what we know we need to do, God, help us to identify the bad habits that keep us from doing it. Or give us just enough breath of fresh air to take that first push off the mat. God, I know you have my back. Lord, I know you have got the back of every person in this room, of every person on this globe. Teach us to rely on you. In your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.